going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We All Deserve to Eat, a space where we will build perspective and share experiences and grow together. Whatever your reason for finding this, however you found it, I'm thankful that you're here, and thank you for joining me on this journey. What's going on, everybody? So I hope that you've had a fantastic week so far. Um, Today's topic of conversation is one that I was actually looking really forward to um, because it connects not only to the last few uh, episodes that we've had on stages of a team and team building and dysfunctions of a team and differences between groups and teams and how we get to that stage, um, but really from where it connected off in last episode was the reason why um, teams may never progress to the stage of success that they strive for is because of absence of trust from their leader. And that's going to transition into our topic of discussion today, which is various leadership styles, when certain styles are most effective, and just my perspective on what I've built through what I've watched and seen and studied and even my experiences in the classroom about when you're in a position of authority or a position of responsibility, how that trust is so vital when you have so many different personalities working with you, for you, and again, keeping that common goal in mind of uh, overall team success. And and that that applies in any context, in business, in education, in life, uh, in sports, whatever it may be. If you're in a team environment and you adopt that mentality, it starts with it starts with the top down. It starts with the leader. It starts with the vision. It starts with the goal. And from there, the team comes together. And like we addressed last uh, in the last few episodes, they the successful ones transition from a group to a team very quickly. So, again, there are a lot of different leadership styles that we can identify. Through my teachings, I've classified three to four. I'm going to identify three main ones that have been consistent throughout the years. And again, um, going to speak about when perhaps each style is most effective. Perhaps you will gain some insight to yourself as to what style you are and perhaps how you have to adapt, how I have had to adapt over the years through my coachings and teachings in contrast to how I was trained and brought up and conditioned uh, through my childhood and my schooling and my education and how we have had to not change our methods, but adapt them to basically the masses and the new ideologies and the values of the new generations that are coming in. And we'll speak about that in just a little bit. But the three main leadership styles I'm going to identify today are your authoritarian, your democratic and your laissez-faire leadership styles just as an umbrella right so your autocratic or your authoritarian leader that is more for a more layman's term like your dictator your total position of authority it is their way or the highway Um, they have a very clear vision the directions are very laid out and there's not a lot of room for flexibility Uh, You may think to yourself, I find myself in positions of authority where there are zero, there's zero room for flexibility or very little. 
and therefore the leadership styles that you've been exposed to and may you may have adopted primarily fall under that umbrella. And then you have your more democratic leaders. These are ones that will still make executive decisions when there's a big decision to be made. They're in that position for a reason. However, they tend to collaborate a little bit more with the team. They get a read on their team members maybe a little bit better. There is a bit more of a not personal relationship, but an approachability or a personable relationship that is established. Um, the leader in this case tends to recognize talents um, and allows for a little bit more of a hands-off approach. They still oversee everything. They still have the final say, but they recognize the talents of each individual member uh, much sooner and utilize those skills. And then finally, your, your laissez-faire leaders are your more hands-off. You're, you're more, I'm, I'm there as a position of authority, I'm there to sign off, but you all are very talented, you all know what you're doing, you are all better at your jobs than I am better at your jobs. So please, have free reign, and as long as it's within company policy, as long as it's met by the deadline, as long as it looks professional, and the client will be happy, and the result is produced, I'm okay with that. That's your more laissez-faire, hands-off leader. Now, traditionally, and you may have noticed societally through the decades, we have shifted um, our, our leadership styles. And we notice now that even as a teacher and as an educator and as a coach, I have had to shift my leadership styles and the way I convey information based on societal beliefs based on responsiveness by who by the audience that you are speaking to and based on those environments we have noticed that certain leadership styles do not resonate and examples of that in in the everyday media are for example i know i talk a lot about sports and i speak a lot about sports a team can have little success and you don't fire a team who gets fired? The coach, the general manager, if they're not the owner of the team. If changes need to be made, it starts from the top. Players may be released, players may be traded, but never in the history of sports that I can think of, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but never in the history of sports have I ever seen a team completely cleared out after an unsuccessful season. They try to find the right pieces of the puzzle, but ultimately, it starts with the philosophy, the mantra, and the overall vision and connection that a coach or leader establishes with their employees, with their students, with their players. And we see that in coaching all the time. Now, you may be wondering, well, even with what we see in this generation, and this may be providing that millennial, Gen Z, Gen Z gap, Generation X gap, whatever it may be. I'm a little bit in, in between. I would be classified as a millennial. But things that I have noticed in my conditioning and, and my upbringing, a lot of my coaches were very authoritarian, autocratic. They recognized our talents in a democratic way in that fashion, but it was no nonsense. Yes, coach, this is their philosophy. This is what we're being taught. And I feel that at 
This is just my personal perspective on it, having coached young athletes and also coached at a post-secondary level, which I, I currently coach, and in particular volleyball at both levels and baseball at the high school level. I have noticed that when you have a younger group of athletes that you are trying to build fundamental skills, and again, I know this is in just a sports context and we'll match a few contexts and we'll, and we'll overlap them and connect them, but as a coach, I noticed that as a coach of younger athletes, and I want to say before they reach high school or even before they reach junior year of high school, sophomore year of high school for those of my friends down, down south, but grade 10 and 11 here, there is a genuine love for this sport, but you want to build proper fundamentals. And therefore, different ideals, different ideologies, and different methods about how to do certain things are not always the most welcome. There is a certain level of experience that comes with that. There is a certain level, again, of position, responsibility, and authority that comes with coaching younger athletes. And I feel that more authoritarian, and it doesn't mean that you don't smile, it doesn't mean that you yell all the time, but you have to implement your philosophies, your experiences, and your techniques early on so that they are conditioned to know that the fundamentals are there and you can be confident that the fundamentals will be built going forward now having said that moving into collegiate sports high school level sports elite level travel team club level sports where they're going post-secondary and going to be playing varsity that i feel depending on the personality and the relationship that you've built with your players you can be a bit more of a democratic leader maybe more so in in college and i could be wrong there is still a degree of of an authoritarian leader that is needed in terms of reigning in emotion in terms of controlling ego in terms of maintaining that team first mentality and i'll use a couple of coaching examples um, that i mentioned that i was going to say last week about gene oriyama and about uh, coach frank martin but in particular coach gene oriyama he speaks a lot about his philosophies and what will not stand versus recognizing the talent that he has on his team. And in a lot of ways, I feel that he is a democratic leader with those authoritarian qualities when it matters. And he speaks on a great video about how recruiting is harder today than it has been ever at any point in history. Because what, what young athletes see is athletes on TV, their idols, being really cool because of access, unprecedented access to private lives via social media, via the internet, via media outlets. They see athletes being really cool. They don't focus on what they, the hard work that it takes to get to that status all the time. right? Sometimes it takes the athlete to say that. So he and his staff have stressed to all their recruits that they put a huge premium on body language and what kind of leader you can be for your peers and your teammates and a representation of the school. If you are disengaged, if you put yourself above the team, you will never get in the game. And that is, I think, a consistent philosophy that goes along if you can afford to do that on your team. Any coach recognize, can recognize the talent that they have. 
it's about controlling that talent and harnessing that talent into a team effort to achieve success. That's what it's about at the end of the day. And it can be tough when you've got athletes that you know are bigger, taller, and arguably at your age, if you were the same age, they would be better athletes than you. I'm no stranger to that. But it's important to not let that get not let that fact get lost in your experience, your vision, the way you see the game in trying to implement that to your athletes. Now, it's not always the best sort of example to use, but I'm going to use it anyway. The laissez-faire style leaders, I feel that are more hands-off, aside from consistent philosophy, mantra, and the, their, their coaching vision that they've built and the responsibility they have to that organization to enter those players to build relationships and continue building and developing them. I feel that not necessarily at professional sports, but at a certain level of athletics or high level of athletics where it is a team that comes together for a very short amount of time. An example of that would be provincial or state teams, national level teams. And in particular at the professional level, you have the highest caliber coaches, the highest caliber coaching staff, and the best athletes in that sport that represent that country all coming together. It's safe to say that it is up to the coach and the coaching staff has a huge responsibility to harness and to try to bring out the most efficient level and the best out of every player and using their talents to the absolute fullest potential. But at that point, there's not a whole lot of coaching fundamentals and there's not a whole lot of coaching skill. It is at first maybe perhaps observing that skill and understanding as a leader what you are working with. And then from there, it is all about fine tuning it is all about the details, and it is all about how you constantly and try to consistently maintain that slight advantage over your opponent. Because at some point, the skill does reach a certain level of consistency, even at a pro level. And we see that in Euro that's going on right now. We see that in the playoffs in the NHL finals that are going on right now, the NBA playoffs. Sometimes the best players in the world can look mediocre because they're also going up against the best players arguably in that league or in that in the world. And that's just a fact. So a coach that comes together to harness that talent, it is important that they, I feel, perhaps, and maybe this is wrong and my experience will change if I'm ever fortunate to coach at, you know, a, a national level one day. But I do feel that it's perhaps a lot of observation implementing your philosophy and reinforcing that philosophy but it's more about understanding and appreciating the talent that's in front of you and i think that has to go along with transferring it over to education and in life as a leader or quote-unquote leader of a classroom it is more important now than ever with the types of universal design learning and the inclusive lesson planning that we are that we are all restructuring um, the, the types of information, the type of information that we are conveying and the ways that we are doing it, utilizing our resources in the classroom, a lot of it is understanding your class 
and the talents and the brilliance that they already have developed in their brains. And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts about working with young people that not a lot of people see is you establish certain rules on an authoritarian or autocratic level. That is fine. They can be consistent with school policy. They can be with what you have found is successful in your classroom. But we see more and more teachers that are coming in and myself, you know, being a younger teacher as well, only five years in, we tend to be some sometimes, not across the board, but sometimes a bit more collaborative with the students in terms of deciding evaluations and what evaluations they want. It doesn't all have to be test and exam style. There can be some assignments and group projects. There can be some research-based ones and exploratory projects on topics that they are interested in. I don't feel that at a high school level, laissez-faire works very well, um, only because they are in the classroom environment to learn from you. But I think learning has always been a two-way street. And as a leader, you can learn a lot about your philosophies. And I have too many stories to tell about my coaching experiences and my teaching experiences that have changed over the years and evolved over the years. And, and maybe a better word is developed. But understanding that my ways of growing up don't always work with the environment that I'm put in with 27 other students or 27 other athletes or coaching however many teams that I coach. The responsibility and a team's success, although it takes those individual moving parts, and we always say coaches can't score points, teachers can't get grades for you, bosses can't land clients for you. Absolutely, that's true. But at the end of the day, if you have a team that believes in your philosophy, if you have a team that buys into your values, and most importantly, you've done the work to have to establish that healthy rapport with them, you can guarantee that they will go to the wall for you. They will have your back. And when push comes to shove, you will have their support. The final story that I'm going to tell is about my first teaching evaluation and what I felt was a successful evaluation. And a lot of it had to do, I felt, with not the lessons that I was implementing, but just establishing rapport and a safe environment where students, from what I felt for the most part, looked forward to coming to every day. And when it came time for my evaluation, I told them the day before that this is what we'd be doing. This is who will be in the room. And can you just, as engaged as you are, and as locked in as you are, can you please just have my back extra tomorrow? Please. And did they ever pull through for me? I'll never forget that. That was in March 2017. And that group is now... Oh gosh, they must be finishing third or fourth year university now. And I'll never forget just how locked in and engaged they were. And when I asked them that even initially, now not obviously resounding like a huge like a huge crowd in unison, but when I asked, can you just be a little bit more locked in tomorrow? Can you just be a little bit more engaged tomorrow? Everywhere I looked in that classroom was nods and we got your back. We got your back, sir. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll be here tomorrow. And they pulled through, like I said. So 
if you've been reflecting through this podcast and you've been thinking about where you stand as a leader, perhaps if you lean more one way on the the sort of general spectrum that I've outlined that way of authoritarian, democratic, and laissez-faire, understand perhaps maybe where you were five years ago like I have, understand where you're currently at, and I continue to self-reflect, and understand where you want to improve and where you want to continue to grow and where you want to be at the end of the day. What kind of leader do you want to be remembered for? Somebody who was perhaps unapproachable but had a clear vision, had clear direction, which are all admirable qualities. Some people take nothing from nobody. And in certain sports, it absolutely calls for that type of leadership. Or again, depending on the age group and the personalities that you have, you may have to express that more authoritarian side. But without establishing a rapport and without establishing some kind of connection with your players, with your students, with your colleagues and employees, one thing is for sure. There will never be trust established between a leader and, for lack of better words, their followers are following their team that they are supposed to lead. That trust will never be established. And that's the main reason why a group will never transition to a team and ultimately achieve the success that they strive for. By establishing that trust and establishing your clear philosophy and strategy on how you will achieve success, but conveying to them and your team that you are there in the best interest of them and that they can trust you, that is the key to success at any level. Being faithful, being trustworthy, being accountable, being responsible and reliable, that you will hold up your end and you will complete your individual part so that the team ultimately achieves success. It's run a little bit long today and I apologize for that. Thank you very much again for joining me today. We're going to wrap it up here. I will definitely see you all next week or I will be posting next week for sure. We'll be talking about dealing with change management next week. We'll be talking about the difference between personal and professional relationships and the separation of that. And again, how we deal with change. It can be scary. There can be a lot of fear and uncertainty. And we're going to address all of that next week. I wanted to thank you very much again for joining me today. Again, however you found this space, thank you for being here. And have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.